So after Brighton dispense of this out-of-form and outgunned Fulham team on Wednesday, can we all just finally agree that the Cottagers, the Thornbush, and the Dull Knives will be gone from the Premier League after this season? Hey Scott, you don't even have my young American stud left back to bail you out this time around. So what are you going to do? Stick Tim Ream back in there? Hell, if you do that, even Mopay might score. I'm an American, but I'm no sucker, and I don't want little Timmy lacing him up for the Stars and Stripes either. Plus, after you're gone, Scott, Graham Potter can go back to being the most attractive manager in the Premier League. He's a solid six and a half, baby. Have it. Yeah, yeah, get in. My name is Max. Lots to talk about on this, the third episode of Brighton and Banter. It's a pretty gloomy Monday morning here in the mid-Atlantic of the United States, but I'll tell you what wasn't gloomy. 2-1, Brighton win. Brighton beat Blackpool in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Could have been more, should have been more, we'll get to that. But first, full marks to Neil Critchley and his Blackpool side, who were very well organized, very resilient in defense. And you could see how much they had given in that fixture as they, well, they just ran out of gas in the last 15 or 20 minutes. They really left it all on the field. Gary Medine brilliantly taking goal. But going through was nothing more than Brighton deserved. And we'll get to the game here in just a second. But first, Leicester City in the fifth round. I mean, that's a very winnable game and and really a decent chance to get to another quarterfinal of the FA Cup. But I digress. Where else can we start? Eve Basuma, what an absolute rocket ship. A 30-yard nuke into the top left corner, otherwise known as a worldie. No chance for Chris Maxwell, who I thought otherwise played pretty damn well in the Blackpool goal. But what a player this Eve Basuma guy is. It's getting ridiculous. I mean, Eve Basuma is almost scoring circus goals for fun now. And the most frustrating part of it all is that before the ball even hit the back of the net, you could already hear the British tabloids typing, Oh, Eve Basuma going to Arsenal. Oh, type, 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 Jurgen Klopp bringing Eve Basuma in this January. Type, 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 oh, Everton preparing a $45 million bid. I mean, can we all just calm down for a second? First of all, no one's buying anybody in January. That's just not happening. Brighton are obviously not going to move on from Eve Basuma during the middle of the year. And just to use their own arguments against them, Brighton are in a relegation scrap, apparently. So any team in a relegation scrap is not going to be selling its best player in January. It's just not going to happen. So he'll be playing for Brighton through the season, and then we'll reevaluate in the summer. I mean, there's no denying that Eve Basuma is one of the best midfielders in the Premier League right now. His technique on the ball, his athleticism, his ability to go box to box, his ability to be a nuisance to play around, to really provide some protection to a back four or a back three. He's absolutely fantastic. I mean, you could say that his range of passing could be a little better, but also when's the last time you saw Yubasuma hit a bad pass? So, I mean, we're clutching at straws here. He's been unbelievable. And as much as it pains me to say this, I'm sure Yves Basuma does have bigger aspirations than to play for Brighton for the rest of his career. I mean, he is genuinely good enough to walk into the vast majority of regular Champions League teams. He just is. Now, the one thing I will say is that Brighton are not going to be walked over by the quote-unquote big six in England in terms of selling Yves Basuma for 
what they would consider to be a fair fee. Tony Bloom has an excellent reputation of really being quite a nuisance to negotiate with and not really moving on from players unless it's ideal for Brighton. And I think more than anything else, Tony Bloom would rather accept less money and move Yves Basuma out of the Premier League. It's the same with all players, but I'm just using Yves Basuma in this example. Tony would rather take less money and move a player out of the Premier League than more money, but have the risk of that player coming back to potentially haunt you. Now, obviously, that's entirely up to Yves Basuma and what he wants and where he wants to play and where he wants to live and what's best for him and his family. But if given the opportunity, I am confident that Tony Bloom would take less money to move him to Germany, Italy, or Spain, or anywhere else than a little bit more money and risk having him come back to haunt Brighton in the Premier League. Now, I know we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I really think Brighton are in a pretty good spot to absorb a potential Eve Basuma departure in this coming summer. Now, again, we'll get to that if it happens, but between Jakob Moder and this supposed latest signing, Moises Caicedo, I really think Brighton are in pretty good shape in the middle of the park moving forward. And I say that because as fantastic as Eve Basuma has been, Graham Potter wants to play with two in that sort of holding midfield role. And, you know, Ben White isn't the solution there long term. We want him to be a center back anyway. So if Jakob Moder and Moises Caicedo can come in and between the two of them do as good of a job as Eve Basuma does individually or improve upon that a little bit, I think Brighton are looking strong in the midfield moving forward, especially because this Moises Caicedo kid is supposed to be the real deal. Now switching gears back to the FA Cup fixture against Blackpool, Eve Basuma wasn't the only player for Brighton who put out a strong performance. I thought Alexis McAllister continued his fine form. He looks at a completely new player. I don't know if it was a confidence issue or if Graham Potter just didn't trust him or if it just took him a little while longer to adjust to the Premier League style coming over from Argentina, but he looks as good as a new signing. He's picking up the, the ball in great spaces. He's looking to bring others into play around him. And technically, he's one of the most gifted players in the Brighton squad. Now, Christian Walton. I've got to hold my hands up here. I came on the show last episode and complained about how I didn't want Walton to play because I didn't think he was good enough on the ball. And I didn't think he was athletic enough to be a Premier League shot stopper, whether as a number one or as a number two or even as a number three. Now, I still stand by that. I still think he lacks a little bit of that natural athleticism required to be an elite shot stopper at this high level. But he was great when called upon. He made a great save on the free kick at his near post. And there was really nothing he could do with Gary Medine's finish. And generally, I thought his distribution from the back was pretty good. There were a few moments where he just... He looked a little awkward. He looked a little uncomfortable with the ball at his feet. But I thought otherwise acquitted himself pretty well in what had to be a pretty nervy Brighton full senior debut. Now, I still think Jason Steele is more of a number three 
and that Brighton need a better number two, but, you know, whatever. Now, I don't know what to do about Davy Proper, because he has been such a great and loyal servant to this club, but I'm just starting to feel like the game is passing him by a little bit. Yes, Davy Proper can still do some nice things on the ball, especially with his range of passing. Yes, Davy Proper brings some much-needed height to the team, and we've talked about how short Brighton's best 11 is. But you can also count on Davy Proper to drop into the midfield to collect the ball from the back line and make three to four blind square passes, which get turned over in very dangerous areas and continue to cause Brighton problems. The 3-3 Wolves-Brighton game at the Amex last year comes to mind. Now, I'm not trying to say that Brighton should get rid of Davy Proper or sell him off because I don't think he's really a saleable asset and Brighton don't really need that small sum of cash. But I'm really done with him playing in the midfield for any reason other than his height. And in that case, I'd rather have Ben White in there. So yeah, tweet at me, Brighton and Banter, and let me know where you all see Davy Proper fitting into this Brighton squad. Maybe I'm being a little bit overly critical. Now, the game finished 2-1, and how it finished 2-1, I have absolutely no bloody idea. How many chances, I mean, honestly, how many chances does it take for our group of schmucks up front to score? Mope, March, Trossard, Zakiri, Gross. Oh, my God. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. I mean, it actually takes them 20 chances within the six-yard box to score. I mean, they can't even hit the target half the time. I mean, can we just have some composure up front? I mean, Grant Potter needs to bring in a coach exclusively for the purposes of building composure. I mean, this is really getting ridiculous. Now, I will say I, I like what Percy Tao did again in this game, and I think he does temporarily, at least, solve Brighton's right winger problem. I think Gross is a little too slow to play in that forward position. Ali Reza, get him out. I've heard some rumors that he's on his way out. Good, get him out of here. He, that experiment hasn't worked at all. Also, can we just stop rolling the roulette wheel in the Dutch Everdivisie? Can we just stop doing that? How about we go anywhere else? I'd rather spin the roulette wheel in the Jupiter Pro League, and that hasn't even really worked out for us either. But but this Dutch Everdivisie trial is over. That experiment hasn't worked. So let's not go back there again. All right, so Scott Parker's Fulham are coming into town on Wednesday. Fulham, who are winless in their last, well, who knows how many. And you get absolutely hammered 3-0 by a non-A-team Burnley. That is embarrassing. Oh, my God. 3-0? Unbelievable. Now, Scott Parker likes to play this 3-4-3. Well, I don't know if he actually really likes to play that or if he just matched up against Brighton, but that's what he did at the Cottage when we had that invigorating 0-0. Now, I as much banter as I'll have with the Cottagers, I, I don't dislike everyone on that squad. As I mentioned in the preview 
Anthony Robinson looks like a real player for them, and as an American national team supporter, I'm pretty excited about seeing his development. And Bobby decordova Reed, I really like his game as well. Now, in the nil-nil at the cottage, in terms of Brighton, I think Grant Potter played something pretty similar to what I believe is the best is the best Brighton eleven. Obviously, Sanchez and goal, White, Dunk, Webster were the back three, Lamptey and March on the flanks, Basuma and Alzate in the middle, Lalana as that number ten with Trossard and Welbeck up top. And while I would expect a pretty similar formation, I mean the three four one two just works for the Brighton players available and in form for Graham Potter. I think Sanchez in goal, Webster, Dunk, Burn the back three, Veltman, and March on the flanks. Obviously, Lamptey not going to be back for this game. Basuma and Ben White in the middle. I think Graham Potter trusts Ben White a little bit more than Steven Alzate, maybe just for the height. Veltman's done a pretty admirable, admirable job filling in on that right wing back spot for Tariq Lamptey, even though obviously Veltman can't really bring any of Lamptey's qualities to the table. He's He's done nothing other than perform the way we would have wanted. McAllister in that number 10 spot, as he continues his fine form, even if Lalana is back, and Grand Potter says there's a chance for that, I'd be pretty surprised to see him start the game. And then probably Percy Tao, and then one of Mope, Zakiri, Pascal Gross, maybe Aaron Connolly if he's back, although I doubt he would start the game. But, but Graham Potter's got to find a goal here. I, I, I feel comfortable defending against Fulham, especially with you know Ben White in that midfield almost playing the five center back system. But I just don't know who's going to score. I just don't. And as much as I would want to see it, I'm just not sure I'm prepared to count on a Basuma worldie from 30 yards every game. Now, what I'd really like to see is Andy Zakiri get a nice little run in the squad here. He has such an unbelievable goal-scoring record at the youth international level with Switzerland that there's got to be more to his story than what we've seen so far in a Brighton shirt. And he's got some qualities that Brighton really need in a striker. I mean, first of all, he's 6'1", so he can actually be a target man. He can actually hold the ball up. He's someone who doesn't have to have the ball played into his feet, in theory, which would only improve our front three situation because I think Mope, Connolly, Trossard, McAllister, Lalana even, Zali March, I think all of these players perform better when there's a more traditional front man alongside of them taking up a little bit of space. And I think Zakiri has the potential to be a real Graham Potter type of front man because he's not overwhelmingly tall. He's still quite athletic. And I believe in addition to playing with his back to goal and holding the ball up, that he can spin in behind and distract opposing back lines. Now, admittedly, he has looked a little starstruck in his first few appearances for Brighton, really not quite lacking composure. But I think as a young player, what he needs more than anything else is just a little bit of a run in the team. Now, I understand and agree that Brighton aren't in a position to give a young player a nice long trial run because at the end of the day, Brighton do need a couple of results. But after this, especially if Brighton beat Fulham here, if Brighton beat Fulham here, 
I'm looking at the mid-table. I'm not even worried about the drop. I think if Brighton win, them three are condemned to being relegated. And if Brighton win, they should really be looking beyond some of these joke teams around them. I mean, I mean, Burnley do not have nearly as good of a squad as Brighton. They have Sean Dyche, I understand that. Steve Bruce looks like he's in all sorts of trouble at, at Newcastle. Wolves can't do anything without Raul Jimenez. Leeds are drifting back down to reality. Don't even get me started on Roy Hudson and his Palace team. They're a joke. So Brighton should be able to move up in the table here. I know Tottenham and Liverpool are the next two after this Fulham win. But honestly, I wouldn't discount Brighton to not get something from one of those games. All right, that's all we've got time for this week. A little shorter one to get you all amped up for the Fulham game on Wednesday. How about a little 3-0 destruction of Scott Parker's side, a la Newcastle style? That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Anyway, y'all, tweet at the show. Let's continue this conversation on Twitter. Hit me up with any and all things Brighton. We'll be back later this week. In the meantime, y'all hang in there and up the Albion.